Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Good day, everybody. It's Rick Hyland with another CI for Life podcast broadcasting remotely from beautiful Monopoly, Italy, in Southern Italy. And uh, happy to be here today with uh, my new friend, Dominic Tyke. Welcome to the podcast, Dominic. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate you having me uh, on your show, taking the time to do this. I hear your story and and fighter pilot and all that. So why don't you start, Dominic, with tell us a little bit about your background, and uh, then we'll get into some of your book and some of the things you're doing now with entrepreneurs. Sure. Um, I think that the it, it's probably pretty apparent, but um, I love airplanes. Um, it's something I've wanted to do my whole life. At you know, it started from a young age. You know, watching airplanes, being on a final approach to a military base, seeing other airfields, going to air shows, building a fighter jet with my dad on the kitchen table at seven. Mm. You know, standing on the flight deck of a big airliner while. Uh, maintainers did engine runs when my uncle took me out there. He was an engine or a uh, aircraft mechanic. You know, fast forward to having my fighting my way into a civilian uh, airplane to get a ride at 16 years old, being a flight instructor at 18 years old. Um, you know, having a professor in college say, "Hey, you know," or you know, I, I was talking to him one day and I was like, "I want to be a fighter pilot." But he said, well, hell, kid, I'm a fighter pilot. Get after it and go do it. So um, I applied to officer training school and um, was selected at the same time. I got a job with an airline and decided to go the military route and then competed through pilot training in the United States Air Force and uh, found myself sitting in a single seat uh, fighter jet, the F-16. And I've been doing that for a number of years. And I'm an instructor now at the the schoolhouse here in Phoenix, Arizona, teaching guys how to uh, fly single seat jets. Nice. And you have a couple of degrees. You want to just mention your education background? Yeah. I mean, I've got a pretty... Uh, non-traditional education background that started in, you know, private school, public school, uh, private tutoring all the way up through, um, you know, community college, and then eventually into uh, Riddle uh, for my undergrad. And I'm getting a master's degree there. And then I just finished a a Air Force level master's degree. So um, a decent amount of schooling and writing uh, along those lines. And then that's also kind of helped me start uh, my uh, real estate syndication business a number of years ago, and then single seat mindset, which is the other business that uh, has given us a lot of uh, purpose in life. Yeah. Okay. Before we jump into single seat, I got a couple questions for you. First of all, your call name or call sign is Slice. Tell us about that. <laughs> um, so in within you know tight knit communities, you tend to um, get named by your peers, yeah. right? So. Um, fighter pilot call signs, um, just across the board, you know, I've been all over the world and had the pleasure of interacting with other cultures that, uh, have fighter pilot cultures and they all do the same thing. They name each other. So when I was a young dude, um, uh, on one of my early flights, um, everybody's pretty familiar with the term dog fighting. So I was, um, 
the instructor took me up and we were going to do some dog fighting and it was it was a long day we we landed we got m- more gas while the engine was running we took off for our second flight and it was the last engagement that we had so we were we were doing some specific training where we pass really close to each other um you know 500 feet away and as soon as you pass the other jet it's fights on and the first guy to kill the other jet simulated right because yeah. it's uh <laughs> we're in the same squadron at the, at the time. The first guy to kill the the other pilot um, wins. So I'm getting pretty aggressive and I felt pretty good that day. And I ended up pointing at the instructor's aircraft for too long. And, you know, I think I, I think I achieved the kill. If not, it doesn't really matter at this point. But the, the, the lesson being I broke a training rule and we passed very close to each other. Um, <laughs> And so then, you know, fast forward a number of weeks later, they're doing the naming ceremony, essentially. And I get the call sign. I'm in a Japanese fighter squadron at this point, And okay. our fighter squadron is the samurai. So the, you know, the swords and like yeah. the, the samurai mindset was kind of permeating that culture. And so I got the call sign slice uh, because they said I tried to slice my instructor in half and it kind of nice. fit with the, yeah, the Japanese nice. vibe there. Hey, so. well, I, I got to ask you about Top Gun because that's the number one movie in America right now. And and uh, from your perspective, from a real fighter pilot, what do you think about Top Gun Maverick? I I thought the cinematography was was pretty uh, just ridiculously cool. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there there are some, you know, some finer level details from that are probably not uh fit for your podcast length that okay. kind of make me, me <laughs> chuckle but from like yeah i mean if you look at like the entire tactical situation of what they were going to do with the jets i mean yeah. that can be picked apart for days um but from like a um filming standpoint to you know see see the faces of the fighter pilots while they're pulling g's yeah. and all that kind of stuff I, th- I thought they did a really really good job cool yeah, it's 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 a fantastic movie. I've I've loved it. What's the fastest you've gone in a jet? Oh boy. Um it's probably been maybe Mach 1.5. Wow. So one and a half times the speed of sound. Yeah. Very cool. I Love think it. the jet, I think the F sixteen can go over two. Um okay. the problem is, is as soon as you start going that fast, you're now working against a lot of um air. And it takes a lot of gas to do that. So to go that fast, it, it you you burn a lot of gas getting getting to that speed and then sustaining yeah. that speed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's a popular topic today. So it's great to have you on the podcast. So, <laughs> Dominic, tell me, you know, you've got this process and training and program called Single Seat Mindset. You wrote a book. How how would you how does that going to help entrepreneurs grow their business? A lot of the listeners that are going to be listening to this podcast or entrepreneurs starting up or successful already, but they want to continue to scale and grow their business. Tell me about the program you have single set mindset and how, how is that going to help? Yeah. So just a quick uh, blurb on single seat mindset. We've, we've noticed we being um, the the fighter pilots that I'm working with um, as instructors, instructors that goal-oriented individuals get frustrated with rigid structures, you know, slow processes, long-winded programs, adherence to unnecessary protocols when there's no outcome. And fighter pilots like myself were trained to make split decisions at, you know, 800 plus miles an hour every day. And those, those quick decision-making skills can be incredibly useful in high performance professions. 
yeah. um, specifically entrepreneurship and business. And we'll touch on that here in a second. Um, so what I what I decided to do, and this was after you know years of other things going on, I created the largest online group of fighter pilots to guide action takers and peak performers in short, impactful steps. And it um, more often than not helps them avoid failure, but then also help, gives them a little bit of control uh, on their road to success. So that's kind of in a nutshell what single seat mindset is. Um, I will say for the entrepreneurs of the crowd, I am one. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a solopreneur. I, I own mult. I've I've had a business fail. I own multiple businesses. Uh, you know, I've been in aviation for over 20 years uh, as an instructor. The majority of the time, um, you know, I'm I'm a certified airline pilot. So I have a, a, a pretty diverse background. And where I started, my roots were were growing up and working on single family homes with my dad, who owned. I don't know, maybe 10 of them growing up. So mm -hmm. I grew up around real estate and and seeing dad collect rent and and do leases and do remodels and install windows and you know paint, rip up carpet, and do all that stuff. And so um, as I grew up, I started buying single family homes and I couldn't scale it like I wanted to. So where that led me was years of reading books and talking to people and Finally, one day I just I decided to go all in, and my wife and I bought an eight unit um, apartment, little apartment community. Nice. And then from there, I compiled all my notes and um, basically presented a business plan to two of my um, fighter pilot buddies. And that so the the F sixteen is called the Viper, and so I started Viper Ventures LLC. And what that business does is that I basically help fighter pilots. Um, grow wealth and minimize their taxes by passively investing in apartment communities. So it's basically syndication, if you've heard of that. And yep. and where that led was a lot of meetings and notes and discussions with people to get you know more investors onboarded with this business. And where a lot of you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, one of my one of the best things that I ever did was I compiled my notes into a book that I call single seat investor. And it's essentially a, uh, you know, you probably, if you're a fast reader can read the book in two hours, but it's a, it's a dive into the three hour, four hour conversations I, I was having with individual investors and trying to explain like, what is it that we do? Who's, who's our ideal client? Do you fit this profile? Is this for you? And so all of that's just outlined in this book. And then in the appendix, there's a ton of resources for the person to, um, you know, to look at and to research on their own, right? So it sa one, it saved me a ton of time. It saved them a ton of time and allowed them to make that, like that emotional leap that always happens first before you get into the analyzation piece of it. Um, and from there, you know, single seat investor was just a book that I carried around. And if people were like, oh, I, I've always wanted to do that, or I want to invest with you or whatever, then I'd say, hey, read this book. And if you fit this, then that's what we do. And then you're a good fit. And it weeded out, you know, probably 95% of the people that are big talkers or and or they just don't really know what they're talking about, right? And it allowed them to do that research. So that's where showing people, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm mean business. I'm not dabbling in this. This is very important and serious to me. I'm, you know, there's a lot of money involved in real estate. Tell you mentioned one of the concepts that I, I think is also so critical. I having a to be a successful entrepreneur, getting really dialed in on your ideal customer. Can can you say more about that and the benefit of doing that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, as, as you're starting out, like, like me and like most, I think you, you, you kind of have to, um, you have to cast your net wider, um, just to see who, you know, as, as you're testing things out. Right. And it's, that's, that's the most uncomfortable part of starting a business for me is, is finding out who, who's really going to benefit from what we have. How do we, how do we help them um, as we present these ideas to them. Yeah. And so over time, um, I realized that the majority um, of the people investing with us were fighter pilots and or previous fighter pilots that are now airline pilots. And there was a very specific person, age demographic, uh, um, a- amount of money that they make that they fit into. And the important piece to to learn about that is as you're starting out as an entrepreneur, I have found, and this also applies to single seat mindset, um, defining who you don't serve is important, but then also um, don't so destroy yourself, right? Like don't be staring through this tiny little pinhole. But um, when I changed um, who we allow to invest with us, um, that really changed our business and made life a lot easier, even for me, because I'm running the show. So we, I only let people that I know personally, I'm not a big firm. I don't, I don't open the doors. I'm not, um, doing, you know, sec registrations and all of these different big firm things. It's more in-house and it's more targeted to help, um, those that I know that are fighter pilots and or airline pilots. And that, um, that's important because then you can speak to the person, you speak their language and you speak to the person that you serve the best. Um, because you can also define who you who you don't serve. Yeah, that is so important. I remember in my 30-year consulting career when we started to really scale and really grow is when we, you know, call it luck or whatever, we got in the energy industry and and why that makes a difference is is, is just as you said, is you know the issues, you know the pain points, you know the challenges, and you can talk their language and people it just builds trust faster when you can talk their language and talk their pain points and challenges. And it makes a huge difference in building trust. And as we know, trust is a key to sales and relationships and in all that we're trying to do. So any, any comment on that, on trust? Yeah. And I, yeah, there's, I think the important piece isn't specifically as an entrepreneur is in, and in developing that trust is that you're not trying to convince the other party of anything because there's going to be some trust that is already there. In fact, I try to convince them opposite of that. And and what I tell them is I, I, I give them all of the big pain points that they maybe can't put into their own words. And, you know, I say, Hey, just because we've had past performance, that doesn't dictate our future performance. Just because you're giving me this money and I've never lost anybody's money. That doesn't mean this is an investment. You can lose everything. Are you comfortable? Like, is that, does that upend your world? If you give money to our investment company and you never see a dime ever, you know, so kind of addressing those, they're uncomfortable topics and that's not like right up front. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, as somebody starts to express interest, um, I think it's important to kind of outline those, um, those pain points that they may be thinking subconsciously, but then also um, letting them know, and this is very, very, very important. Um, I do this with every investor that I have is I tell them, 
it doesn't matter how good and this is outside of Viper Ventures LLC. So I go, hey, outside of our company, like I can doll up a business plan and make it look amazing and make the numbers and and do all this stuff. And And I can even show you how to tweak those numbers to make the returns look a lot more juicy for you like other syndicators do. I don't do that. And and here is here's the why. And I show them you know why I show how we're we're conservative in our underwriting and all of those things, but then more importantly, um, you know, to to build that trust is, uh, you know, you you kind of have to start with the feel side of it, right? They they've got to have that feeling of trusting in you. I tell them very specifically, the business plan is maybe less than half of the business. It's the person running it. Absolutely. Look at the CEOs Absolutely. of large companies and how much they influence that company at large and how much they get paid to do that. I'm running this thing. I have a fighter pilot mindset. I don't like to lose. I'm not going to go down easy, um, so to speak. And I, I, I want to win and I, we have won and this is why we've won. And now granted, we have a little bit of a track record now for years, but, um, that's a huge piece to, to convey to the other side is it's, Hey, you're investing in me because I own this business. So you're investing in my business, but I'm running the business. And if I run it poorly, it operates poorly. Yeah. I mean, you just you just hit on a couple of other real keys on building trust. And in sales, trust is everything. But the honesty and transparency goes a long way, even if it's showing the downside or or having them understand the downside. People appreciate the honesty and transparency. And then you got to come back with the the pitch about look at the track record, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But people really, um, you know, that's, I called my book, the the truth about being a rainmaker. The truth is if you want to be a great salesperson, if you want to have grow and scale a business, you have to have honesty and transparency in there. It's not the old, you know, what 20 years ago, what we used to think about salespeople or, you know, that they'll tell you anything to get you in. And what you're talking about is, the honesty and transparency necessary to build the relationship, build trust, you know, and form this investment group. It, it, I love it. And you're talking about the real rainmaker, not the sleazy uh, car salesman. Oh, dang it. I've got car salesmen that are friends and they're not sleazy, but the old yeah. mo- model of that. But uh, thank you for <laughs> highlighting the, the importance of honesty and transparency. Yeah. Um, so I know I noticed a couple we also have in common the value of a kind of purpose-filled life and having purpose uh, behind what you do. Can you talk to that and how meaningful that is for your life and your business? Yeah, so you know we you you can easily find yourself in a in a, um, our cultural lie that is um, more is better, um, you know. Uh, more and more and more, right? Like that you get caught up in the material trappings of the world, right? And it, it is great to um, to have a business that's thriving, to make a lot of money and to see things work. Um, but that if that's not rooted in anything that, that that gives you purpose, it kind of falls apart. And and I alluded to it earlier, I had a business where we did, you know, because I also grew up around uncles that bought and sold things like, you know, going to, going to auctions and buying, you know, a, a backhoe for Sixty thousand and selling it for ninety five after, you know, whatever. So like, I was in that business, and it's a little bit of a uh, hamster wheel because you're you're there's a lot of transactions that are going on, and obviously the smaller the the piece of equipment, um, 
the less money you're going to make and all that stuff. Right. So I was in it for the wrong. So it, it wasn't the right purpose is what I'm getting at because mm-hmm. it was about money. Okay. And I found, um, the business didn't fail, right? We made, I failed the business. I turned the business off because it was about money. And I found that rolling out of bed and when my feet hit the floor in the morning, I wasn't happy to chase that because it was, it was empty. And that was the biggest point that I learned now, you know, granted five ish years ago. Now I had a pretty big, um, mental, uh, not a collapse, but like it, I had, I went through a really, really tough time where I was, I was going to therapy and granted, this is a lifetime of issues that have built up. You know, I had, I had deployed several times. We had, you know, been shot at and, uh, you know, there's people throwing rockets over the, over the fence at us, you know, like over 50 times on one of them. And then the second, you know, deployment, that's its own other thing, right? There's, there's certain things that humans aren't really, um, built or wired to do. So I also had some other things going on in my life as well as my extended family. And I kind of broke down and I broke down hard and that was kind of the time when I was in this hamster wheel of trying to make money and doing all that kind of stuff. And that, that I didn't, I had not rooted my purpose in something that meant something more than just money. Um, and where the real estate business really took off was on our second deal. Um, I found that a lot of syndicators, real estate syndicators weren't willing to give all of the returns, all of the rental income and returns back to their investors first before I made any money. And I found that that made it, it helped my purpose in that business because it provided a massive value to the investors. And I also realized that I didn't need the cash flow right now because the business was already running um, and I had other sources of income. So that rooted my purpose in that business even more. And then fast forward even more, about two years ago, I um, had what you would maybe call like a, a reversion to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And and that those Christian roots, they're they you know they're they're leveraged across our constitution as Americans. They're leveraged across you know giving back and helping people, and and so that's where we started single seat mindset. Even though it's a business, we give all of the money away to a um, children's cancer uh, nonprofit. So it made it even less about the money for me because we just give it all away. And man, if you want to see some stuff take off. And you know, live a purpose-driven life, and and you take money out of it. Um, that really will, you know, as a business owner, you can't do that in all your businesses because you don't make any money. But like you, that 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 provided such accelerated acceleration um, with single seat mindset. And it kind of blew up because I'd never had any real plans to do that. But when COVID hit, we started. I started single seat mindset for the young fighter pilots that were struggling because of the COVID lockdowns and all this kind of stuff. And it was just short messages that, that be, soon became a blog, a website. Um, and then, you know, now we're writing books, right? So we've got single seat wisdom, which is 20 oh. individual chapters written by a different fighter pilots and Amazon number one bestseller. Cool. Um, and it's really cool because there's hundreds of years of experience, collective experience and each chapter is such a radically different perspective from a fighter pilot that is trained to think um, a certain way, right? And and those those concepts are very leverageable for you know entrepreneurs and business owners, even as well as athletes and aviators, right? It it peak performers that want to get something more out of life. They're very leverageable um, pieces of information, 
and it gives you a lot of purpose, right? So now we have these books. We're, uh, at the time of this recording, we're about to publish the second volume of Single Seat Wisdom. Um, we have another book that we're <laughs> we're getting ready um, to uh, basically piece together the final uh, portions of it for kind of the eight to sixteen year old year group, right? Because at that age, they're looking for some purpose and some direction. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been great to see our purpose rooted in something that is is lasting and to and and where we found that in this business specifically was man how awesome is it that we get to help and influence and impact and and you know give this money to these families that have children going through cancer treatments as well as providing all of our life lessons in one one easy place. Oh my goodness, there's so much good and so much to unpack there, but let me go back to purpose again, Dominic and how would you do you have a statement that you have, you know, in your book and your notes? Do you, how would you articulate your purpose? Yeah. So, I mean, on the front of single seat wisdom, the book, it says practical and valuable life advice from America's fighter pilots. And we had hinted at it before kind of defining who you do not help is important. And what I mean by that is we do not, I don't have a whole lot of time. In fact, um, I don't, I don't do well when um, somebody um, exhibits a very entitled victim mindset. And I'm not saying that we're not here to help them if they want the help. And in fact, I would say we don't really help people. We guide them because I've found that, and I know it's a subtle um, choice of words, but peak performers, athletes, um, business owners, entrepreneurs, all these people that are driven to do something, they don't really want to be helped. And maybe that's the prideful piece of it. Like I'll do it myself type of mentality. However, what they do really appreciate is a guide. And that is, that's kind of, we're kind of the middleman, I guess, in this, this story that people are writing. And that's the first is you've got the mindset. You've got a single seat mindset. You don't have to be a fighter pilot to have that. That can be learned as well. But the middle piece is, Hey, we're, we're we can guide you in a, direction, right? I can, I can kind of see that we've got a bunch of resources and, and stories and books and blogs and all of these resources to help guide you. But the last piece of it is action. You can yeah. read as many books as you want, but if you're not taking concerted action, you're taking all that knowledge that you're learning and putting it into action, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I, man, you just, when I was 27, I had a bit of a breakdown at MBA school and why did I move my family across the country? And I got a C minus on my first big test, despite working as hard as I, you know, just all that experience. And then went downstairs to, and, and ended up, you know, that weekend writing a purpose statement. And it was about continuous improvement, action orientation. And many of my listeners have heard my story a year and a half later when I went to go look for a job, nothing looked interesting. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, the consulting company, small consulting company that ended up joining and retiring 32 years later as COO and second largest shareholder had the exact same words that were in my purpose statement that year and a half before during my little uh, mini crisis, if you will, of confidence. And um, it just gave me a lot of confidence on the value of living a purpose-led life. And, you know, your motivation, you know, motivation is fleeting, but you're if you're driven by a purpose to help people, you know, improve, drive continuous improvement, action orientation in your life, it's easier to bounce back after setbacks. And there's so many, I did a whole bunch of research from my book, Live Your Purpose on, there's 10 health benefits, you, you know, less hospital time, uh, you know, less uh, 
tons of health and life benefits to living with purpose. And but you hit on one point there that I think a lot of people get stuck on, um, and I don't know if it's fear, anxiety, whatever it is, but moving to that next step of action and really following their dreams and, and living a purpose-filled life. Uh, what advice were you, would you give people, Dominic? And, and I know this just off the top of your head, but uh, I'm, I'm running into that a lot of people have big ideas, have dreams, but maybe they've given up on it. Uh, maybe they've had, you know, so many failures in their life that they don't have the confidence to really chase their dream and put action, you know, put really good days back to back together to chase their dreams and drive to action. What advice would you give for those kind of entrepreneurs and or people who might be stuck and need to take some massive action in their life to, to move their business forward or their life forward? Yeah, so I think, um, well, there's there's a few concepts. Um, it really depends on the person, right? So it's it's yeah. very um, personality driven as well. Yes. I'm a I'm I'm a fighter pilot, so I do have some of the um, aggressiveness when I when I go when I get after something. And and I'm I'm not a flippant person, so I do think I think of things, but then I give myself a time to stop and, and you know, this, this analysis paralysis idea, or I call it figuring where people just are stuck in figuring, but they've never put anything to action. And so it sounds corny. It sounds cheesy, but writing it down and sharing it with a very trusted guide, um, uh, with you holds you accountable. Cause when you write something down, when you sign your name to it, um, it's just like a contract. It's a contract with yourself. And more importantly, if you're stuck, um, I'll give you an example. When I when I started my um, before I b- bought my first um, you know eight unit multifamily um, property, um, I went through a <laughs> a mind numbing. Um, it was over a year. It was how to underwrite commercial real estate to value it. Right. So how do I know what this this is valued? How do I approach bankers? So I, I went through this very painful um, program to learn how to do all that stuff. And then I said I you know. There was a banker that said, once you underwrite 100 properties, you'll start to see trends. So I I made a goal. I did 200. So I underwrote 200 properties. And my goal was also backed up by a time constraint. So I'm going to write underwrite you know, five properties a day for X amount of weeks. And on this date, I am going to put an offer in on a property. I've done all of the... I've done all the work to get here, but that's my action step. So really defining it on paper and saying, hey, this is kind of where I, I see it going, but then also having the mental fortitude, the resilience to go, hey, when I, when I, when I basically fail or when I um, make a misstep, it's, it's not the, that failure d- doesn't define me as a person. That's like a, yeah. it's just part of the process, right? It's a, yeah. um, you know, it's not a person. Failure is not a person. It's, it's, it's what happened. And then um, I don't really view it as a failure. I view it as a lesson learned. So what did I learn from that? And then pick yourself back up again and, and, and start again. But to kind of sum that up, if you're stuck and it maybe even you've already written it down, you've already signed your name. So you've done a lot of those things. Maybe it's not clear enough. So learn from that and go back and clarify, hey, where is it that I'm going? Um, and there's, there's kind of two other like buzzwords um, that I think a lot of people use and it's, it's too vague, which is vision. Do you have a vision of where you're going? And yes, have an, I, I think an idea of where you're going, right? Cause you need to kind of row in that direction, but you're not going to be able to see the perfect end 
to that vision because you're not there yet. And if you get too enamored with this perfective idea of this is what it has to look like, otherwise I'm a failure, you're going to fail every time. Or else I I won't move because I don't know what the end looks like. Yeah, good point. Exactly. So if you're willing to start down a path, so so the way that I'm wired, I'm willing to sprint down a path just to find out that's the wrong path. And I'll even, I'll go back to start and I'll sprint down another path. A lot of people maybe aren't, um, you know, maybe they don't want to do that. So bring a chainsaw with you. So as you walk down a path, it's the wrong path and just chainsaw your way through the forest to the other path that you want to get to or, or whatever analogy you want to use. And then also realize your, um, you know, cause people, they, they, they want to live a purpose driven life and, and maybe they don't verbalize that, but, but subconsciously that is, it's important and it, and it gives you a lot of drive, but people talk about this idea of, um, well, I just, it, it needs to be like this huge grandiose, like I need to feel like it's just going to lift me off the couch and get me going. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the time, the fun part of running a business, the fun part, cause I grew up in a, you know, we, we, I had a family band, so I played bluegrass violin and, and, and it wasn't super fun learning how to play violin. But once you got really good and you're in shows and you're making money and you're, you're making people dance, like that's where the fun comes out. So even even aviation, it's kind of like, you know, doctors go through this multi-year process and then they go through their um, residency. Well, well, pilots, even civilian pilots, they go through all of these years of training and then you become like a civilian flight instructor making like 20 bucks an hour or whatever it is. And, and then you're just hustling for so many years, right? And then it becomes fun when you're good at it. And so I think if you are... You, you're sitting there and you're stuck and then you've defined your goals and you start and then you go, Oh, this isn't fun. Well, dude, how long did you, how long have you been getting after it? Um, yeah. you know, has it been three years? Has it been five years? Um, you know, do you need to be refining your process? Maybe, you know, when you're, when you're gritting it out, like there's grit and quit. That's all something that I've heard is like, maybe right. The business that I turned off, I was gritting it out, but at, you know, the several year mark, I'm like, this is not serving our real purpose. So it kind of helps you regroup. So don't be a fit. Don't be worried about failure. You're not going to find that, that passion. That's the word I was looking for before that, like that passion isn't going to really come out right away. Um, but it, but it can, it can be sparked. It can be a, a, a little flame that starts when it's rooted in the right purpose. Right. So like I had mentioned, once I rooted things in Christian spirituality, and then from there, it helps you with your intentionality throughout the day to go, Hey, how do we give back more? How do we help people? How do we guide people? You know, where, where are we helping you guys? And it, it really helps you define the right questions and, as well as your plan to achieve that vision that may not be exactly what you think it is. Oh man. It's very inspiring. I love your message, Dominic. Um, let me just underline your points there for listeners that may be stuck heading towards you know, that, vision of where they really think inside the meaningful life that they want to live, make a contract with yourself and write it down. I don't think it sounds cheesy at all. There's lots of research that shows whether you're recovering from major surgery and or making a business run, writing it down, and then uh, makes a difference. And and, um, uh, the second point you made, and then share that with a trusted advisor, someone that'll cheerlead you, someone that'll ask you smart questions to help you think it through but not be, you know, a negative or, or pull you down. Uh, and then the third point I thought you really made there that was really important is patience with yourself and the process. It's not going to be fun or you're not going to be 
amazing on day one. It takes training, it takes work, it takes learning. And then that's the last point you made there is, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela, my hero, the president of South Africa. I lived there for two years and he was in Robben Island at the time, but later did some amazing things uh, and he could have been extremely bitter. He had a fame, great quote. Um, it said something like, well, not something like it was, I never lose. And this is the guy that's 24 years in prison. Uh, I never lose. I either learn or win. And I, I oh. think that kind of captures some of the the mindset that you're talking about. Just learn. You're not losing. You're learning. And if you treat it like that, eventually uh, you will win and you'll identify those wins and you'll become it'll become fun. And, you, you, you know, you'll find your passion. But you're right. Uh, some days there's dog days in, in the middle of training and learning. But learn and win, learn and win, learn and win. Thank you for those insights. Any anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think just to kind of piggyback on what you said, when you're finding your passion, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. So you're not gonna, you might not know it right away. And I'm gonna steal this. I was talking to a, a F four, an old F four fighter pilot um, last week. Your success um, is is accelerated with the word significance, right? So that's helping others, that's guiding others, that's giving back. So if you can figure out um, how to give back and to serve people in ways that other people are not doing it, and that is where your value grows. So if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, constantly ask yourself, how do I give more back? What does that look like? And, and does it is it really helping the people? So don't help them in the ways they don't want to be helped, right? But but how do I give back? So that gives much more significance to the success and, and bring other people in, like you were saying, as a team um, to define and to, to achieve that success. Um, but if, it's, if you're just looking after success and money and it's very me-centric, um, I've found that, that is, it's, it doesn't give you a lot of purpose. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough to make it through every day if that's what you're running after. But if you have some significance behind that pushing um, and you get other people on board with that, man, it just really stokes that fire. Yeah, great point. Now, your Ch Childhood Cancer Foundation, is it St. Jude's? And why did you pick that? There must be a story behind that. No, so that the Children's Cancer Nonprofit is called the Anna Schindler Foundation. Okay. Um, Anna is, um, she was a cousin. So she got okay. heptoblastoma at five years old, liver cancer. Um, and mom and dad spent, uh, two years in the hospital, 12 hours on 12 hours off. Um, Joe Schindler, um, is my uncle. Polly is my dad's sister. So that I have a family connection to them. Okay. And a day after Anna turned seven, she was, it looked like things were going good. And then she, she passed away a day after she turned seven after two years. So the Anna Schindler foundation, what they do is it's a smaller scale, but it's Ronald McDonald style homes. Okay. For families to stay in very near to the hospital in Spokane, Washington, mm. while those families are going through these, these cancer treatments for their children. Um, because what they found is spending two years in the hospital, 12 hours on 12 hours off is terrible. Mm. And so they have these homes, they're breaking ground on their second multifamily project right now. And, and like I said, we've, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, fighter pilot authors, as well as just other people have started giving, um, and it's been pretty cool to raise money and shove it their way um, for that foundation. So it's the Anna Schindler Foundation. It meant so much to us that we even named our our third kid Anna, so mm -hmm. we could kind of carry on that torch um, 
Because if you think this is a wild perspective, right? If you think you're having a bad day, yeah. think about being seven years old yeah. and dealing with chemotherapy for two years and being in the hospital. And every time anybody comes to see you, they're staring at your bald head. Yeah. Right. So there's always a different perspective. And if you're in down in the dumps, um, <laughs> I can't guarantee it, but there, a lot of times you just look left and right. There's going to be somebody that has a harder day and a harder time than you. Yeah. Or you're the parents of the seven year old that's going through that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And perspective is a, is a wonderful tool that's underutilized in life to overcome anxiety and depression, just to, you know, either eternal perspective or a wider perspective on why we're going through the trials we do and the struggles we do as entrepreneurs, as people, as family members. Yeah. Great point. Uh, Dominic, anything, any other messages you want to share with entrepreneurs out there? You know, I am, um, like I said, I, I can't help you with the, with an action problem, but we do have, um, pretty, um, radically different types of products and things that, you know, if, if even in free stuff and you can all find it at singleseatmindset.com. that's kind of our landing pad. Um, we are growing. We are now up to 40 fighter pilot, uh, strong. And we started writing volume three, uh, of single seat wisdom, but single seat mindset.com. That's the main um, place okay. where all of our media, the social media links, you can just hit contact me on there and it goes right to my email. Um, if anybody needs a literally a different, radically different perspective, um, you know, and you, and you, you want to kind of learn how a fighter pilot, uh, does that, that's where you're going to find that. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Slice Tyke, you've inspired me today and I appreciate uh, everything you're doing and uh, God bless and I hope everything continues to go uh, towards your purpose and your vision. Uh, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Rick. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And this is Rick Highland signing off from Monopoly, Italy. Cheers. <laughs>